everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Today, we're here to take a bit of a step back and reflect on key things that have impacted the European public finances in the last couple of years. In a short period of time, the EU had to cope with an unthinkable pandemic shock, followed by a war in Ukraine, with enormous energy and economic consequences. Um, and I'm joined by Raymond Torres, Funkas Europe Director. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Carlos. So, Raymond, uh, these days we're seeing the impact that dealing with those crises is having for the public finances in um, in the European economies. So, what is overall the what? Wh where would you start if we if you look at the public deficits and and public debt after the pandemic, after the war, after the energy crisis? There's been a lot going on. Yes, indeed, Carlos, it is true. And we are talking probably about one of the biggest issues for the policy debate today, which is the situation regarding public finances and in particular the prospects for the future. In terms of the situation, indeed, reflecting the shocks you were mentioning before, the pandemic, a war, the Ukraine war and then the energy crisis, for the average eurozone, we are talking about a deficit which was practically zero uh, before the pandemic, a small deficit only, uh, it has gone above, a little above 3% of, of GDP. And, and that has increased by about, uh, that as a percent of GDP has increased by about six percentage points of, of GDP. So we're talking about a deteriorated situation, despite the fact that over the, uh, especially in 2001, 2002, The, these imbalances uh, tended to decline because of economic growth. This year has been more difficult, but overall uh, it, uh, it, it was a little bit corrected after the pandemic. But, but we're talking nevertheless about a big hole in the, the public finances. And what is more, and that's the second characteristic, is that with, uh, the, the situation is very heterogeneous across countries. We have, um, in general terms, the countries that already faced the biggest imbalances before the pandemic are facing today even more imbalances, much more than uh, the average deterioration of deficits or debt. And the countries that were doing relatively well actually has, uh, have deteriorated, but much less than is the case for the average. So we're talking about a, a divergence of the fiscal positions, with some exceptions in the middle. Uh, for the worst, we're talking about Belgium, which was close to the, the average, but then has deteriorated more than average. And uh, vice versa, Portugal has performed better, has managed to even improve the fiscal position uh, in these troubled times, and now has a, ba a balanced budget and, and also uh, a somewhat lower public debt. So I guess when we look at this big hole that is asymmetric indeed but i think the big question here is whether this debt and 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 and, and this situation the public finances is uh, sustainable 
Yes, indeed, that's the that's the key issue. And indeed, uh, one could say, looking at the past, um, I mean, after all, you know, we we had situations in the past before the pandemic where uh, high debt could be sustained and high deficits. But actually, this was the case uh, because we were in a diff in a different monetary policy area with uh, uh, ECB purchasing public debt with the ECB maintaining very low interest rates. This area is gone and now the ECB is amortizing the debt it has on its balance sheet and interest rates of course have nothing to do with zero rates uh, before the pandemic. We're talking about already rates which are well into positive territory and more specifically uh, what we're facing for the next two years. So this is an immediate concern because for the next two years, what we're facing is a very a massive amount of uh, public debt that comes to maturity, about 2.6, no less, 2.6 trillion euro coming to maturity over the next two years. This is uh, much more, about 25% more than uh, before the pandemic. So we talk, we're talking about a very significant increase in the volume of debt that comes to maturity needs to be renewed. Uh, it, it needs to be renewed with interest rates which are much higher than the debt which is expiring. In all the countries, in all the EU countries, the new debt uh, will have to face interest rates which is much higher, which are much higher than the, the interest rates of the debt which is uh, coming to maturity. And this is almost an automatic kind of uh, effect uh, which has as an impact an increase in the interest payments, you know, that uh, governments are facing. So this is a very, very, you know, in a way mechanical impact, but let's say looking more at the, the, the economics of it, what we have at the same time is a very uh, significant increase in supply for the reasons I was saying that much debt is, is being amortized, has to be renewed, but also because new deficits are, uh, will have to be incurred uh, next year and possibly even even the following one because of the uh, low growth situation. Uh, so on the uh, on the supply side, much you know, uh, governments have to uh, have recourse to markets in order to finance this debt. And on the demand side, uh, markets uh, well, they, they actually they 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 are completely on their own because the ECB is no longer. Uh, uh, you know, purchasing public bonds. So, the, the, of course, the impact of uh, much larger supply and uh, stagnant or even declining demand for bonds is an, a, a, you know, persistent uh, interest rates, high interest rates on uh, government debts over the next two years at, at the very least. So we're talking about a situation which uh, is a challenge uh, for sustainability. Nevertheless, it doesn't mean it was going to explode. It just means that countries have to be very careful and especially uh, taking into account also the fiscal rules which uh, are going to be applied as for next year as well. What is precisely on the fiscal rules? What is the how is all this that is happening connected to the current discussions for for a new fiscal framework for the EU? So fiscal, fiscal rules, of course, are needed because, I mean, we need, we need um, a new discipline in order to, to reduce these deficits. This is a, it's, it's a bit of a, a threat in, in terms of the sustainability of uh, social protection systems, the welfare states uh, in Europe, which are so important. And, and so they, they need to be reduced, these imbalances, and of course, they need to be reduced in a concerted action, thus the need for fiscal rules. That said, 
the fiscal rules that applied before the pandemic are simply inapplicable today. Uh, just to give you an example, Carlos, if the uh, pre-pandemic fiscal rules were applied, um, a number of countries would have to reduce uh, debt as a percent of GDP, the public debt, uh, much more than is feasible, than is realistic. This can only be done, for example, in the case of Italy. Uh, public debt as a percent of GDP would have to be reduced by about four percentage points per year over the next 20 years. So this is not possible without causing a great recession in a way in a country like Italy. So in fact, it's not applicable. So fiscal rules are needed, but they, they need to be reformed. And uh, I think some principles are important. Graduality is important. Uh, and also the uh, reduction of imbalances needs to be done um, uh, in a way which takes into account the need for investment, uh, investment for the green transition, for the digital transition, and also which in a way which takes into account reforms. So the countries that make reforms in their economy uh, could, could be given more time in a way to reduce those imbalances compared to, to the normal situation. I think this flexibility is important in a context where fiscal rules have to be applied. And unfortunately, we have uh, some bad news recently because in Germany uh, they, they, there has been a concern with the debt break uh, rule, which uh, comes from already 2009 when uh, the constitution was amended in order to introduce uh, um, a kind of uh, debt break, in other words, a target uh, for uh, reducing public deficits. And, uh, and the, the, the Constitutional Court has considered that this, this target has to be applied now. And this means that Germany, in the middle of a very difficult year, economic year next year, and even this year, uh, may have to reduce its uh, public expenditure by a significant amount, or at least reduce its deficit by a significant amount, which may be a problem from the point of view of the economy itself. So was this um was this it seemed to be a, a good idea to introduce this kind of debt break in the constitution back in 2009 but those times seem to be really far away in terms of all that happened all that has happened in the last decade it's a big deal because it's not easy to change but uh, indeed uh, a priori uh, there are grounds for reconsidering it at least applying it in, in a different way in a situation where we're talking about an economy which is in a very different situation, indeed the entire world economy is in a very difficult, in different situation. We're facing um, a very complex and expensive uh, digital and green transition, especially the green transition. And this is a target also uh, of uh, EU countries to reduce CO2 emissions and so on. And the, I mean, we, we need particularly private investment, but we also need a bit also of public investment. So uh, in addition to that, the geopolitical situation uh, is completely different vis-a-vis -vis 2009. We're talking about uh, a world economy which is characterized by uh, the US and, and China in rivalry, um, in, uh, launching uh, industrial policies which are really very uh, ambitious and in Europe uh, we need also to, to react to that and ensure that we keep our uh, strong footholds in a particular in some industrial sectors in particular in Germany and in services and so on and this needs uh, it requires an industrial strategy in a way and for this you need some funding it's not only funding but you also need some funding so 
it seems that the objective uh, underlying conditions have changed vis-à-vis -vis 2009 when this constitutional ruling was, was introduced and there may be uh, grounds for reconsidering it, but of course it's up to, to the German parliament and uh, the German democracy to, to address this issue. But certainly it has implications for other European countries uh, because we need a strong Germany and Germany is undergoing a, a, a complex uh, transition, uh, delinking from Russian gas, uh, reducing it, the, some, some of the strong dependencies vis-à-vis -vis China and some other uh, countries and, and in a way adjusting its uh, industrial model and uh, it's important that this is done successfully for Germany, of course, but also for other European countries. Raymond, what, what about the, uh, when we look at the challenges that you, that you just described, what are the, 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 the policy implications of this uh, uh, situation for public finance, finances and the need to, to precisely deal with those very big challenges that need quite some spending? Yes, I think that the, of course, the situation is very different across uh, EU countries, so it's difficult to devise single policy uh, kind of um, recommendations or, or requirements. But uh, in general terms, one can say that uh, it's important that, uh, uh, at least in those countries that have the biggest uh, deficits, that those countries undertake some, uh, some in the, even in the short term, some uh, measures, you know, in particular reverting the anti-inflation packages that were adopted uh, in the aftermath of the Ukraine war and, and the energy crisis, there are grants for reverting at least some, some of the measures, in particular those that uh, included uh, VAT reductions on energy products uh, and so on, which were across the board. And I think there's, there's much less ground now to maintain those measures. This could facilitate some savings and without necessarily compromising much of uh, the growth dynamic which is necessary for Europe. Uh, in addition, uh, uh, over the longer term, I mean, there are grounds indeed to rationalize uh, the tax system and also expenditure with more evaluation of expenditure and so on. We have some good examples. For example, Portugal and Sweden have managed to achieve some balanced budgets with uh, rationalization on both the tax side but also on the expenditure side and I think that's, these are, there are some interesting lessons there that can be drawn. This requires time, we're not talking about the return to austerity which would be counterproductive and we, I, th I hope we have learned the lessons from the uh, counterproductive austerity measures of the past but this is something which can be done with a, in a medium-term perspective, it can be quite effective. Um, from both the economic but also the budget point of view and even the social point of view as well. But I think uh, a final lesson has, has to do with EU-wide action because I think uh, one of the characteristics of the, one of the complexities of the present situation uh, requires some EU-wide action in particular in terms of industrial policy uh, in order to avoid what is going on at the moment in terms of an inflation of state aid uh, across member countries, which is detrimental to the single market. It is a waste of public resources because very often it's competing for the same investments. And in addition, it doesn't, it doesn't really improve the uh, competitive position of Europe as a whole. So I think shifting some of the burden of tackling those uh, challenges, those structural challenges, those, those transitions, to the EU level may be also a good idea uh, uh, in terms of addressing the present fiscal challenges.
Raymond Torres, Funka's Europe Director, thank you as always. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funka's Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all and stay well. Thank you.